everyone, and welcome to the So Mindful podcast, where we dig into the tips and topics that will help you have great fun making clothes that make you feel fabulous. I'm your host, Jackie Blakemore of So Much More Fun, and I can't wait to share this week's illuminating episode with you. So let's roll the tape. Hello, 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 and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the So Mindful podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the wonderful Mel Forrest of Mint Button Sewing School. Mel was a primary school teacher for 15 years before she left to pursue a portfolio career in the home sewing industry. She now teaches one-to-one sewing lessons and workshops, and she also works part-time as a retail assistant in her local fabric shop. As if that wasn't enough, she also finds time to work part-time as a customer service assistant for the very popular online sewing pattern shop, The Fold Line. So I'm amazed and super grateful that she's carved out a bit of time to talk to us today. And the reason I wanted to connect with Mel was because I saw a recent blog post that she did following the Great British Sewing Bee. If you listen to the end, she has a special gift for you as well. So without further ado, let's say hello to Mel and welcome to the Sew Mindful podcast. Hi Mel. Hi, thanks for having me. So that was a really brave pacey and I don't feel it even begins to scratch the surface of what you do and who you are. So can you just (laughs) share a bit more in your own words as to how you got involved in sewing and how you came to be here? Yeah, so I've always been quite crafty, but my mother-in-law was a quilter and she sort of piqued my interest with a few quilting magazines way back, I think probably in about 2008. And luckily enough, I live near a really amazing quilt shop. So started being a customer there, did a few workshops, got the quilting bug, and that's where I now work part-time, which is amazing. And when the first series of The Great British Sewing Bee came on, I thought, ooh, I could do that. I can sew in a straight line and make quilts. I'm sure I could make garments as well. So I picked up garments in about 2013, and I've just done more and more and more. So as my passion for sewing increased, I sort of started thinking that maybe I could steer my career in that direction rather than teaching English and things to small children. And so I left teaching in 2020. And yeah, now I have quite a varied career, but all in sewing and I absolutely love it. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah, so you use the term portfolio career. I was I was intrigued by that. So is that what you mean? Lots of different variety in what you're doing? Yeah, that's not my phrase. Someone else said, oh, you have a portfolio career. Oh, really? so <laughs> kind of started calling it that. Yeah, so I wanted to leave teaching in the primary school to teach people sewing. But obviously doing that a full, as a full-time job is quite difficult. So I've kind of made it up with yeah, a range of a range of different things, but they all sort of link together and intertwine. So it's it's absolutely perfect. The pandemic was a bit of a stumbling block because I resigned from teaching literally just before the pandemic happened. But I've managed and yeah, it's absolutely fine now. <laughs> Brilliant. And so some of our friends listening might not have heard of or seen the Great British Sewing Bee. So can you just give a bit of a description of what that is? 
So it's a sewing competition programme that started in 2013. If anyone's watched the Great British Bake Off, it's by the same production company, I Love Productions. So they get together a group of amateur sewists from all over the UK. I think there's t- usually 12 to start with. And each week they face three different sewing challenges. And each week someone wins Garment of the Week. And then someone is sadly sent home until there are just three of them left. And then one person's crowned the winner. Yeah, I think it's a brilliant format. And it took a bit of a a pause for quite a while, didn't it? So it was great to see it back fairly recently. But they've done quite a few series now, haven't they? Yeah, I think the one that's just finished was series eight. But they followed the same format all the way throughout. So, yeah, it's it's lots of it's really popular. And obviously, I'm very grateful for the show because that was what got me into garment sewing. So. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of it as well. I was personally inspired to change my career after the series with Tilly and the Buttons, Tilly Wallinson, and she was the first person I'd ever seen that had made a career out of home sewing, and she was using skills from her day job to promote that. So I'm grateful to it as well. I'm with you on that totally. And for people that can't see it, if you're in countries outside of the UK, I think sometimes it's a bit more of a challenge. But if you do search on YouTube and places like that, I think you can find some of the episodes and some of the seasons. But it's definitely worth a watch. So I found you because of the article that you wrote about the Sewing Bee Challenge that you undertook. So do you want to share a little bit more about what that was? Yeah. So on the Sewing Bee, they complete three challenges. The first one is a technical challenge where they're all given exactly the same pattern and the instructions and then they all have exactly the same time to go off and make that garment and one of the episodes they made a patchwork jacket so I've wanted to make one for a while I've actually got another one that I'm hoping to make in the autumn but I was watching it and thinking four hours and 15 minutes to make a patchwork jacket is just ridiculous and (laughs) Lots of people seem to agree. I've had many conversations with both quilters and dressmakers about how short a time that really is when you really look at what they had to complete in that time. So I wasn't trying to prove anyone wrong or question the validity of of the task on the show, but I just wanted to sort of prove to myself that I definitely couldn't have done it. So I thought about maybe giving myself four hours and 15 minutes and seeing how much I could do. But I really didn't want to make something that I wasn't happy with because it would have been a waste of time, a waste of resources. So instead, I decided to make a patchwork jacket that I was happy with, but really carefully record each of the stages, how long it took so that I could then compare it to how long the contestants had. Yeah. And it was interesting because I read some of the comments from people that had commented on your article as well. And it was very much of that theme. I understand why the format is the format because they need to obviously keep it exciting. But I'm with you. I think quite a lot of the challenges, particularly this season, seemed completely ridiculous to do any justice to. Those projects Mm. did seem way too short of time, I think. Some of the series have been worse than others. I can't remember which one it was, but they had to make a lined coat in five hours, which again was just a ridiculous challenge. And then if you go back and look at the early series, one of the first challenges was to add a pocket to a skirt that had already been made. And when you look at 
the the difference now in the expectations of what they can create in short periods of time it's just ridiculous yeah yeah they were very basic garments I think some of them in the early stages weren't they I mean still some yeah. detail and different techniques and things but yeah much more I think much more realistic maybe but still out of it came this great conversation that we're having so I am I'm really delighted in many ways it spurred that on and I think also for me personally how I judged myself in the early days of doing my dressmaking was how quickly I could do things and that to me was a sign of professionalism whereas I think now and we're going to talk about this more with your article but I think my thinking has shifted on that as well so tell us all a bit about the outcome of your experiment so I think altogether it took me I think it was 14 hours and 25 minutes to completely finish my jacket but then in my blog post I've also broken down some changes that I made because as I said, I wanted it to be something that I was happy with. So on the show, they only quilted the two front panels of the jacket, whereas I wanted to do the sleeves in the back as well. They put the binding on with a sewing machine and I prefer to do mine by hand as a quilter. So I've listed sort of all of the changes that I've made. But even if you took out all of the extra stuff that I did, I still think it would have taken me six hours and 15 minutes. So I still a good two hours longer than than they had on the show yeah half as long again isn't it it's it's still a significant amount of time definitely and also I did zero unpicking because coincidentally I didn't need to I would have unpicked to get the result that I wanted to but on the show a couple of the contestants weren't happy with their placement and they sort of unpicked things and even without doing that I still I still just don't think I could have done it in that time yeah, I think there is a big reliance in the time frame that they give. You might be able to do it if there's zero mistakes, but mm. we all know that things happen. You catch something wrong or you pick something up the wrong way around and end up having to undo things. So, so yeah, really interesting. I mean, six hours is, would still be amazing for me. I think, as you mentioned in the post, anything quilted, you're creating your fabric before you even start. You're not even starting from your fabric, are you? And that took me two hours. It was two hours just to sew together the 96 squares And I'm an experienced quilter. I've been quilting since 2008. I've made nearly 60 quilts of all different sort of complexities. Some of the contestants had never made a quilt before. So the fact that they managed to do that in that time, is just amazing. Obviously, they've got Patrick Grant looking at them and Esme Young judging them and there's cameras there. So it's a completely different environment. There was no pressure and no adrenaline on me while I was completing my tasks so that must speed you up and and the competition as well if there's other people in the room and you're racing them to finish something that's going to speed you up as well so I know it's it's a completely different environment but it was still interesting to see there's a messaging that's going along with that isn't there judging that to say faster is better what's your thoughts around that how do you feel about sewing pace and how people should approach those kind of projects It just concerns me because it's very much in the fast fashion vein of doing things, isn't it? You know, faster is better, more is better. I want to wear this this weekend, so I'm going to sew it really quickly. Great, but then is that something that you're going to be able to wear next year and the year after that? Are you going to cut corners in terms of quality to produce something quickly, which is exactly the same as fast fashion? So in terms of sustainability, I would rather spend twice as long making something making sure I've got a really good finish on it and that it's a garment that's going to last 
rather than sort of churning things out quickly, you know, so I've got something to post on Instagram or something to wear to a wedding when I could just wear something else that I've got. So it's a slippery slope, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can even see in some of the, particularly the made to measure challenges where again, it's a ridiculously short amount of time, but they're not even happy with the finish, are they? They're rushing certain aspects of it for the competition, which isn't necessarily, if they were making those garments for themselves, they perhaps wouldn't, well, they definitely wouldn't settle for some of those finishes that they are ending up with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was guilty of this when I first started sewing, of thinking that, again, like you say, for me, being a better sewist was trying to sew like the people in the factories, trying to sew, you know, speedily, effectively, but still still quite quickly. And my thoughts around that have changed. And one of the things that triggered that was teaching people how to sew and this idea of creating courses like the sew and fit address in a day. And I think there are certain skills you can teach within a window of time. But what brought it home to me was we were doing one of these classes and I was almost egging people on. Come on, you sew a bit quicker. Do this a bit faster. I was thinking this isn't what sewing's about. What's your experience of that in terms of other people learning to sew and what works best for those kind of things? It's always something that we talk about in classes. So I do offer one day classes. So we'll do things like pyjama bottoms in a day, which is mostly achievable. We do the made by Ray Luna trousers in a day, which is mostly achievable. But I do always make it very clear from the very beginning that even if someone's completed that garment in the class time frame before, it doesn't mean that we're going to get it finished today. And I also talk about things like seam finishing, because in a workshop, if you're trying to sew a garment in a day, you don't always have time to finish seams. If you think about finishing a seam with a zigzag stitch, that takes forever if you don't have an overlocker, because you've got to stitch every seam, you've got to trim it. We just don't have time to do that if you're trying to make a garment in a day. So it is something that I emphasize with students that, you know, this garment might not last as long as if you'd finish the seams, but it's a question of timing. I have actually just devised a new workshop format for the Style Arc Hope dress. So instead of trying to do that in a day, because it's far too much to do in a day, it's exhausting, first of all, for students to try and sew for that long. And even I don't think I could do that. So we're going to do it over the course of three evenings instead. So we'll have a little bit longer. And then if there's things that I need students to have completed before the next stage. They've got time then to catch up ready, ready to start the next week. So instead of having to say, right, I need you to get to this point, you know, come on, come on, we've got to move on to this. Mm. They've got that time to catch up so that they can do that at home before the next week if there's anything that they they haven't finished. So we haven't tried that yet, but hopefully that's going to work really well as a class format. Yeah, and I think those formats work well. I was teaching my sister when she was learning to do dressmaking and we were just doing sessions probably an hour to an hour and a half each once a week. And then she could do a bit of practicing in the meantime and then we could just do it that way. And I think that feels like a more sustainable way of sewing, you know, to sort of build it into your routine rather than trying to go all out in a weekend and and learn everything. But it's different things to different people, don't they? I also make it clear to students that sewing an entire garment in a day, right from measuring yourself, cutting out the pattern, cutting out the fabric. I wouldn't do that myself in a day at home. I would cut the pattern pieces one evening and then the next evening I might cut the fabric and then I might sew over the course of sort of three or four evenings. So I do make that really clear to students as well that not many people will 
sew a garment right from the beginning all the way through in in one day because it, it is tiring and it's a lot of work so I make that really clear in classes as well. And I think the difference with industry is that often one person isn't doing the whole process either. They're perhaps doing one element of the process and then handing that over. And they'll do that same element, you know, 100 times a week, which is why they get really quick and good at it. And yes, if you want to make the same garment at home over and over again, and I do like to make some of my garments, so you know, <laughs> I have a few favorite patterns. But yeah, unless you want to just make the same garment over and over, then expecting to get to that that kind of speed is probably unrealistic as well so you mentioned there about your personal approach to sewing when you sit down to sew what's your environment and routine how do you approach that I do love a whole day to sew so if I can schedule one in then I will love to sort of keep a Sunday clear and think right I can sew whatever I want that day but normally it's a case of doing I I probably do something every single day but I will break it up into sort of stages so cut the pattern then cut the fabric the next day but I'm also probably from my teaching background I'm quite a long-term planner so for example it's our uh, 10-year wedding anniversary in August I've known for ages that I'm going to make a dress to wear for uh, we're going out for afternoon tea for that so that dress has been planned for ages I have had the pattern printed for ages I had the fabric ages ago. So I never want to rush anything. So I know now that I can sort of start working on that and I've got a few weeks to finish it. I might finish it quite quickly, but if I don't, I know I've got several weeks to get that finished. So yeah, I I try not to ever rush anything or put any pressure on myself to get something finished in time for sort of something in particular, because that's when you make mistakes and that's when you have to make compromises on the quality of what you're making. Yeah. And I think you fall out of love with it as well. I was talking recently and I just had this experience as well where going on holiday and I felt like I should make these things that I was going to take with me. And my mum was saying the same thing. She was desperately trying to make some things and desperate is the word before she went on holiday as well to see family. And you just fall out of love with it. I think it becomes a chore rather than a pleasure in some of those situations, doesn't it? Absolutely. Sewing under pressure is never pleasurable. And although sewing is obviously my business now it is also still my hobby and I love spending time and enjoying it and if something takes an entire week to make it doesn't matter I've enjoyed every step of the process usually give or take the odd bit of unpicking here and there but yeah there's there's no need to rush and a lot of the comments on my blog post about my quilted jacket were people saying that they they do sewing for the love of it and the hobby and the the pleasure they get from doing it they don't need to do it quickly much like I think one lady compared it to riding her bike to work instead of driving it's kind of a habit and a a way of living I guess yeah building it into your lifestyle like you say and allowing the time for it so the only counter to that that I I heard recently was on a, a video by the Stitch Sisters actually and they were talking about procrastination so there is a balance I guess between getting part way through a project and then keep putting it off because either you're worried about finishing it or you don't know what you're going to do next or have you got any thoughts about that? I'm a notorious completer finisher. <laughs> not <laughs> Which, an issue for you then. <laughs> absolutely not. It drives other people mad. I'm I'm a very linear person. So even though I've got lots of sort of projects in a queue and in mind, I always finish something before I start a new project. Let's say. The only exception is 
obviously I dress make and quilt so I'll always have a quilting project and a dressmaking project sort of on the go at once but I can't think of a time where I've had more than one dressmaking project on the go and I know not everybody can work like that and I I think I'm probably not as creative as some people. If I ever was desperate to start something, I probably would if I had this spontaneous idea. But I tend to just enjoy more, you know, the planning and being meticulous about things. So I know that some people just can't compute that and it seems very strange to them but then for me having piles and piles of unfinished started things and things that have sort of been discarded oh I just I can't I couldn't cope with that if you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast but the whole body language has just changed now it's just like oh my goodness hands to face all that kind of stuff so it's it's so funny you do though I do always say that to students as well you do you if you want to start lots and lots of things and have lots of things on the go that is absolutely fine but you have to sort of be true to the way that you like to work don't you yeah and and like we say ultimately it's about enjoying the process as much as the end result you know I think that is a big thing with sewing definitely for me is really being in the moment of having the experience of being with the fabric the pattern whatever it is at the time I think that's as much part of it as the finished dress or top or whatever it is that you're working on definitely for those planners out there, I know you might have a few tips on on how to, to follow that path. So what kind of resources do you use for those sorts of things? I really like the Make Nine Challenge. So I don't know if anyone's familiar with that. It's been running on Instagram for a long time. And it's in, in a similar vein to me made May. It's not a challenge with like an end result. It's more of a planning tool. So I make a lot more than nine things in a year. But the Make Nine Challenge, you think about nine projects that you're hoping to achieve in that year so I'll look up have we got any weddings coming up or is there a holiday that I want to sew something for I'll also go back and look through my patterns I keep a lot of my pdf patterns on dropbox so I'll scroll back and particularly if I've bought a pattern and then not used it I'll think about why is that something that I want to sew and then I might add that to my make nine as well just so I'm making sure that I'm making things that I've got the resources for essentially sometimes I look at my fabric stash as well and think oh that's actually been there for quite a while I have a very small stash but if I've got something that's been hanging around for a while I might add that into my make nine as well just to make sure that I'm using things that that should be used really I love that and I think the make nine is like a sudoku of design isn't it where you can sort of pick things that will go together so it's a good way of planning out items if you're guilty of just making one-offs I think it's a really good a good way to do that it would work well for something like a capsule wardrobe as well yeah fantastic and if people are inspired now anybody that might not be sewing or might be sewing and want to know a bit more can you just tell them a bit more about the kind of things that you do Mel because I know you do some classes and different things like that so do you want to share a bit more about that Yeah, of course. So my sewing school is the Mint Button School of Sewing and I'm based in Kent and I do one-to-one lessons, two-to-one lessons either at my home studio or I can go to other people's homes if they prefer or if they have any accessibility issues. And I can also be found at various different sewing schools teaching classes and workshops. So most of them are at Hometown in Rochester, which is the lovely fabric shop where I work and where I I myself learned to sew. And I also work down at Emporia in Ashford. 
and I'm hoping to be starting doing some classes at the sewing space down in Hive at some point as well. So obviously have a look at those lovely sewing shops online and I always list my upcoming workshops on my website as well. Is that quilting and dressmaking? What kind of classes are you doing? A little bit of both. So I've got some beginner patchwork classes. I've got some more intermediate quilting classes as well. And then dressmaking from sort of absolute beginners. Things like the pyjama class are really good for that. Right the way to sort of, you know, making a dress over a course of a few evenings, if that's more preferable. Brilliant. And so how can people find you? Where's the best place to connect with you? So for my personal sewing, you can find me on Instagram. I share quite a lot of stuff on there and also my quilting projects as well. My account is stitch underscore make underscore bake. And for my business account, it's mint.button. So most of my stuff is over on Instagram. My website is www.mintbutton.co.uk. So that's where you can find my personal blog. So articles like my quilted jacket are on there and also lists of my workshops and information about one-to-one classes as well. We'll put all of those details into the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you head over and have a look at the show notes, then we'll have all the links there if you need them. And yeah, I didn't manage to catch all of that. Lots of different places and information there. And I highly recommend check out the blog. It's so much interesting stuff on, on your website. I loved it. And also some great classes coming up. I saw all the things that you're doing. So you also kindly had a special offer for the listeners. Do you want to share that as well? I do. So if anyone is interested in one-to-one sewing lessons with me, either dressmaking or quilting, if you get in touch via my website, I have a contact form on there, mention the podcast and you can have 10% off your first one-to-one class with me. Amazing. So definitely do that. Go and take a look, make contact with Mel, definitely give some feedback on that jacket. So I will post some parts of this video because in the background, I can see Mel's gorgeous jacket and you will want to see that. But there's some great pictures on our website as well. So I'm total got jacket envy. I think like most of the people who saw the article as well in the photos. Lots of people are making it. There's going to be lots of lots yeah, of there'll be lots around. <laughs> brilliant well it's been so great to talk to you Mel and to hear about your thoughts around the sewing bee and sewing mindfully and sustainably it'll be great to have you back again at some point in the future to share a bit more on those topics so thank you very much and I look forward to catching up with you and more of your projects in the future thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure well that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening check out the show notes in the description area of your podcast app and click to follow or subscribe. Or head over to sewmindful.com forward slash podcast, which is S-E-W-M-I-N-D-F-U-L dot com, where you can also sign up for an email reminder so that you don't miss out on any juicy episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please help others find us by leaving a review if you love this episode. And I'm always excited to find out what you got from the episode and how you plan to use the tips. And finally, if you have a question, feedback or a topic you'd like me to investigate, then you can also email me at hello at somuchmorefun.co.uk. So until next time, stay gorgeous and have so much more fun.